You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Could WrestleMania 38 be the greatest ever? It's Bilal Vakani, Daniel Chihori, our special guest. We bug him for the big pay-per-views because he's a very important criminal defense lawyer and a host on SiriusXM and a great political commentator. But Ari Goldkind is back. Uh, Ari, first of all, thank you for rejoining us. You get so far with that introduction. How could I ever say no to you? You're a special attraction like MJF. Oh, I never thought. Well, he's my favorite. So there you go. Or Andre the Giant. No, I'll take MJF. Yeah, Yeah, I think MJF works. Um, Okay, so WrestleMania 39, I think, especially with Triple H at the helm, and I'll go to Ari first because I kind of know how Dan feels about this. I really think this could be the greatest WrestleMania ever. Ari, have I gone mad? Well, let's start with some back and forth like we're in court. Why do you think that? So I look at how Triple H has approached this WrestleMania. And look, it's not perfect. I I love Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble. I don't exactly love Charlotte as a babyface. I think that program is kind of backwards in terms of what the roles are. But if you look at the way Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have been treated, you know, we will talk about the tag team champions potentially being a main event, granted of night one of WrestleMania, but a main event nevertheless. You look at Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, and I was lucky enough to talk to Diamond Dallas Page, who, when Dusty Rhodes died, apparently Cody called Diamond and told him, you know, Dusty had five friends, and the one that he never lost track of was Diamond Dallas Page, and he's, you know, probably on his way to L.A. right now to see that match. He's going to be at WrestleCon. And when I talked to him on Tuesday, I, I got goosebumps, sorry, because the story, Cody Rhodes finishing the story, represents to me one of the greatest journeys from a company that didn't even exist four years ago uh, and being this cast away from WWE in seven years to potentially, potentially being the undisputed champion. Like, and again, this could be recency bias, but I think this is as good as it gets in WWE. All right. So I'll give you my position on that. And I didn't, and for people listening, no, we don't talk about this in advance. Yep. I will tell you why I completely 1 million percent disagree with that. (laughs) And I guarantee you, that if you went back a year to whenever we did this last, you could probably put me on repeat. Here's why. There is nobody walking the face of the earth today that when the opening note of their music hits, that I have the same reaction as Roman Reigns. It is mesmerizing. We are three years into that music playing and the way they present them. And the difference between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns is that when Roman Reigns' music turns off and he either takes a microphone or actually has a 23-minute match, I am as mesmerized by Roman Reigns, what he does, how he moves his body, how he carries himself, and more than anything, the facial expressions that he does not get enough credit for, which is a different Roman Reigns than the one in 2016 and 17 before Paul Heyman showed up on the couch next to him, I would watch that guy read a phone book. While I think Cody Rhodes' opening note of American Nightmare and comes down to the ring and does a whole bunch of movements with his arms is fine and dandy, I do not buy him. He is not a main eventer to me. I thought Roman Reigns in a moment that I thought, boy, these guys must have worked out a good shot behind the scenes because there's no way he would have said you couldn't get over here you couldn't get over there i think that's two three weeks ago but the point that i'm saying to you is sometimes if something isn't broken you don't fix it i think the far more fascinating and i and i'm going to stop here because it's there's three of us here not just two of us it's a far more fascinating ending to wrestlemania night two is that roman reigns does not get beat and gets to the mountaintop in the mountainous place that is called L.A., where stars are not only born, made, created. This is a run that should not stop. Cody Rhodes is a guy that should not beat him. And to me, and this is amazing in today's day and age of no attention spans, Roman Reigns' story is not even close to being finished. Wow. Okay. Well, Dan, unless you're going to call for disqualification, uh, where do you fall on this debate? Well, I I love that argument, but I I really, in my heart, I I have to disagree. I I think if Cody is the one guy a year ago before Cody arrived, I was like, there's nobody on the roster, nobody in NXT that's, that's going to come along and, and take out Roman. Like there's nobody, Uh, but 
Cody, to me personally, for what I like out of a professional wrestler is the most complete wrestler to come along in years from his promo abilities, what he does. He he's to me, like that, that's what a professional wrestler is uh, as well as MJF. But uh, that's so if, if, if not Cody, then I don't see the next person that, 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 that person isn't in the company yet. And I guess the tricky thing with this Ari is Roman Reigns is so good that there are the reports he's going to take time off. He does probably want to pursue acting on some level. Um, so, so, so the issue might be, you might be so right that you end up being wrong and Roman takes time off after WrestleMania and pursues acting. But there's a way to do, okay, but we both know from our young, our youth, and again, I have a little less youth than you. We both know that in the house show days of A, B, and C shows, the Hulkster had to show up at the A shows, okay? Roman Reigns does have a relaxed schedule now. He is, as you joked with me, a special attraction. If he, if he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, and he's done like The Rock is, more power to him and you take the belt off of them. My answer to you is simply, what would entertain me and delight me and surprise me most? The predictable, as the day is long ending, where the finishing of the story and Dusty Rhodes this, which to me, I don't buy that sentimentality. I don't buy that at all. This is a show business. This is not a real life business. And again, I can tell you, and I watch this, and sometimes I watch it back. Roman Reigns, when he was in the ring five, six years ago, was excellent. He was fantastic, but he was not the right presentation. He was not as Stone Cold Steve Austin says, Roman Reigns turned up to 11. What Roman Reigns has done is gone from a 10 and turned it down to a 9. And the 9 and the slowing it down makes him far more fascinating. And I just say, I don't care that it's WrestleMania. The seats are bought. The audience is not going to riot if at the end of it, Cody Rhodes does the honors, which I think is the more honorable Dusty Rhodes thing, by the way, where Cody Rhodes does the honors by coming into a business that he left into a company that he left to create another one and takes a fall for what I think is the greatest attraction in the last four to five years. And if you don't believe me, Anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, watch the camera on the audience. The second that that real minor, I don't, I'm not, I, I know there's a musical term for it. This discordant note hits before that theme and the entire energy of the building changes. Yeah. And I have to admit, if you were to look at the numbers they've been doing with pay-per-views, the numbers they've been doing with live event sales, all of that data supports what you said, right, Ari? Like it's, ticket sales it's tv ratings it's the potential uh deal going but but we'll we'll move on because we could debate this for the entire podcast but there's a lot of matches on the card what will i think open night one from last i heard will be the wwe united states champion austin theory taking on john cena dan i'll go to you first um you know certainly cena is coming in to do this it's not that he can't win this match and lose an open challenge on the raw after wrestlemania but the sense i get is this is an attempt, and I don't know if it'll be a successful attempt to finally put Theory over and finally back up these claims that he's the future of the company. And I feel like you kind of have to give him this win. Otherwise, he's probably just going to vanish into obscurity. Just like Ari doesn't believe in Cody, I don't believe in Austin Theory. I just in for the exact same reason that Cena said to his face when he eviscerated him a few weeks ago on Raw. I... Uh, I don't see it. I never saw it. I mean, he's capable. He, he, you know, he can do the moves and such, but I, I do not buy this character for one second. And therefore I don't think he deserves, deserves as of yet to beat somebody like John Cena, especially because Cena's lost his last few times. He's come back. They need to keep, he probably has a few matches left uh, that he can do in the, in the future. So I think he should be kept at a certain level and Austin Theory is not the one to beat Cena. Ari, would you agree with that? I think there's going to be an interesting twist here. I think it'll be entertaining as can be. I think, you know, if you remember that SmackDown from about six months ago where they had the mic turned up too high on Cena, where he came back to that show four or five months ago and you could hear him calling the match, literally on Fox where they had it too... Uh, what, you're the mic guy, Bilal. You know everything. They had it too 
They might have well, even had the wrong microphone on. They might have. Well, that's what I'm saying. And you could literally hear him calling the match. Slow, slow, slow. Come here. 13, 14, 15. Yep. This is a guy that will not allow that match to be anything other than massively entertaining. I get Daniel's point about Austin Theory. I think he's a Roman Reigns-like guy that right now he's not there's something that isn't clicking fully with the audience and the charisma because it's almost trying too hard. That was the knock on the presentation of Roman Reigns. But if they can find something more organic for him, great. Um, But I do think this will be very entertaining. And as you know, Bilal, all I ever care about when I watch wrestling is am I entertained? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned people are going to start listening to podcasts like this for betting. So I'm just trying to hedge my bets, if for lack of a better term. But yeah, it's it's very, very much down the middle. And I think it'll be a tough one to pick. Speaking of which, uh, Seth Rollins is going to take on Logan Paul. That's been confirmed for night one. Uh, Dan, we've seen Logan Paul put on these tremendous, tremendous matches to the point where, you know, when reports came out, I think today that his contract is up, the assumption is he's going to resign because this guy is in a long list of celebrities who have done an excellent, excellent job wrestling. Uh, and I think he's finally embracing being a heel, which he fought for quite a while. Uh, and Rollins has just elevated him as much as you can probably elevate someone in this role. I, I think part of me thinks that Seth will come away with this just because Logan is so Teflon. Um, but it, it, this is very much a toss up. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, if that's true that his contract is up, I, I hope they resign him. Uh, everything that people exp- going back to uh, I don't I don't mean to rain on Austin Theory, but everything that they see in him, I see in Logan Paul. What a, what a surprise get this guy has been, and he's uh, he's already there, and and I, I don't and again I'm not trying to <laughs> pick on Austin Theory, but he wishes that he he had what. Logan Paul has, and that, what this guy's only had three matches. He's yeah. been in the business for under two years, part time at that. He he's blown away all of my expectations. Yeah, Ari, would you concur with that? Well, I think there's no doubt. Anybody who says Logan Paul hasn't astoundingly gone by anybody's expectations is somebody who's intellectually dishonest. I still say that that move where they did the the two guys at the top of the ropes with ricochet, ricochet? Yeah. yeah, and smashing into each other. And he doesn't get enough credit for actually holding a match with Roman yeah. for about 14 to 18 minutes. Now, by the way, I always say, and look, I'm saying it to you guys. I don't understand how Roman Reigns doesn't get more credit for that as if it's not Roman Reigns calling mm-hmm. every single spot in that match and making Logan Paul look the way Daniel and I are saying he does. But here's my problem with the match. You can't keep having Seth Rollins lose. You can't. To me, he's a main eventer that doesn't get treated any more like a main eventer. He's sort of like I mentioned the A, B, and C cards for people who remember Maple Leaf Gardens. He's like the headliner for the B card, the Macho Man and Tito Santana headline. He shouldn't be. He's actually that good. His shtick, his dress his getting the crowd to sing that chant and all of that. But again, I do think that Logan Paul is one of those very rare guys, and I agree with Daniel, that if you look at somebody who has the it factor out of the get-go, it's not Austin Theory, it is Logan Paul. Maybe it's not fair to compare them, apples and oranges, but there's a guy that I will watch him, and I hate everything about YouTube and hate everything about influencers and hate everything about that garbage, but I will watch that guy take his stupid cell phone to the top rope and fly out and do what he did and wreck his leg because that is somebody who is legitimately giving it his all, and that is really all you can ask for. Look, and there's been talk of splitting up that unified championship. So who's to say Seth Rollins isn't on SmackDown going for the other version of that title? And, you know, I still think Cody's going to win already. Logan Paul could be, you know, challenging Cody at some point in the future. Like, that's how good these two guys are, regardless of how this match goes. They could both be competing for different world titles a month out from this pay-per-view. So I want to make sure I give them their credit. Well, Seth should be, and that's my point. He should be. I'm going to put two matches together because this is the crux of kind of the second big debate of WrestleMania. And it's the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions, the Usos taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But I also want to throw in the SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte, defending against the Royal Rumble winner, Rhea Ripley. One of these matches, unless something crazy has happened that I'm not aware of, is going to main event nine, night one. 
I really think it should be the tag team title match because we've never done that with the tag team titles. We've done it with the women before, um, and this doesn't feel like a match that has been built up in a way it should main event a match, regardless of what gender of people are in it. Um, I, I think Rhea's done a great job. I think Charlotte's done okay. I don't think they're aligned properly on the heel-face spectrum. I think it's completely ass-backwards, and they're probably going to have to fix it in the match or after the match. I think the storytelling of the Usos, of Kevin Owens, of Sami Zayn, has been some of the best stuff in wrestling over the last year. And you look you don't have to look further than Elimination Chamber to see the reaction, granted, in his home province that Sami Zayn got. Uh, Dan, what should main event, uh, and I don't think there's much debate as to who should win these matches, but I guess, you know, can Charlotte and Rhea perform on the night despite a lackluster build? build, build? To me, this is the, like the the tag story is the same story. It's the bloodline story. It's the same story as Cody and Roman. They're like together. All of it is the ones, the one, it's the same story. So therefore it's clearly the most, clearly most popular story in the last decade since Daniel Bryan. Uh, So if you ask me, it should be the the tag match should close night one. Yeah. Uh, Ari, what, what main events, who wins? Well, I think the final match of the night should be Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're actually in Hollywood. Yeah. I think many wrestlers would consider that a slap in the face, given he's a part-timer. But if you're ever going to do anything at the end of night one in Hollywood with a guy who does deliver, and rest assured, Seth Rollins will not allow Logan Paul to not deliver. I can assure you of that. But if it was up to me, I agree with Daniel, but for a different reason. I think there could be a double turn in the Charlotte-Rhea match. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's been one in WWE for too long. I mean, everybody knows Brett and Stone Cold. Uh, I do think Charlotte is at her best one way, and Rhea has not been elevated because we know Charlotte disposed of her a while ago. And I will say this, and I know we'll probably disagree, there is nobody that touches Charlotte. There's just nobody. You can't even get up to that mountain. She is – I mean, that's why I don't like Becky Lynch being called the man. Becky Lynch has been – minimized as a character and i've never bought her that's to me the company behind her charlotte flair walks in a room every head turns period but the two people that don't get enough credit and i actually do watch these weekly shows and i fast forward through 75 percent of them what's the two people that i never fast through one of their matches jimmy and jay uso so as much as we're talking about sammy and Kevin, who are great, I have never seen the Usos put on an actually bad, unentertaining match. And it is for those reasons. And I think Daniel's point about the bloodline being night one and two, I think that's very clever. I actually didn't even think of that. But it is for those reasons of the Usos. I think it sends the message that not only do we entertain you, but we have the most incredible wrestling on the planet because Kevin and Sammy will deliver. But you tell me, what's the tag division without the Usos in it now? Is it Braun Strowman and some guy named Ricochet? Who, yeah. gives, a, who gives a crap? These two guys have been the backbone, and Bilal, you'll know this better as I end this answer, for how many years now? Not only should they have the spot, But if you ever talk about who's earned the spot, which, again, is not the reason to give somebody a spot. It's what will be best. There are no two guys, but for his drinking and driving problems, which continue to annoy me, there are no two guys that deserve that spot more than Jimmy and Jey Uso, and that's my pick. They were called up in 2010. (laughs) See, as I said, I would even have known. But to me, 13 years of excellence in a main event that people actually want to see that speaks for itself. And by the way, the women's main event a few years ago, which was the three-way, I don't remember who it was, Charlotte, yep. Becky, maybe mm-hmm. Ronda, I can't Ronda. remember. Yep. It, yeah. I thought that was boring as the day is long, and I don't believe in all this, you know, women, men. Give me the best match. So yes. to me, I wouldn't put Charlotte and Rion last. That's just my choice. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, it's not as if we can put the Rockman's championship in that spot, but we'll talk about it. Bianca Belair is going to defend against Asuka. And uh, it's never a good sign when you get to Raw WrestleMania, WrestleMania Raw, whatever the hell they're talking about, calling it these days, and you're, you know, days before WrestleMania, and you go, well, we haven't built this well, but man, do you remember when Asuka was great in NXT all those years ago? 
And then you start to realize, wow, it's been about half a decade since that happened. Uh, and again, this is nothing against Bianca and Asuka's performers. I think they're great wrestlers. I, and I think Asuka brings something new in this character. I think Bianca has done a good job in her character. Uh, but Dan, this uh, it's a Raw women's title program, um, but it, it really doesn't feel like it has the gravitas as if we were talking no. about Bianca and Rhea in this spot. Right, because you the, the company has already told you on Monday what they think about this in, in the pecking order of the running order of WrestleMania. They were neither of them were on the show, and it was probably for the best uh, that they did the that package versus them cutting a promo on one another. Uh, so I love them both. It'll probably be a really good match, but I don't care about. I don't really care about it. Yeah, Ari. I guess if you had flipped this around because they teased Rhea and Bianca. And, you know, Asuka had that ascent, and it was Charlotte who stopped her. I think maybe if you had flipped some pieces around here, I think these two matches would both both be stronger and we could make more of an argument for it. But that's just not the universe we live in right now. Uh, I don't think so. I think Asuka is the doink of 2023. <laughs> She's not interesting. She's yeah. the same thing every week and week out, spitting her mist, which is like watching paint dry. I think she could have taken an English class. Or you keep her silent. That was the mistake. It's sort of like what I always worry about Brock. Yeah, don't let him talk too much. He's great when he does. But Asuka is the same thing every week. I've never bought her. I don't buy the, I don't watch NXT. And I say happily that Bianca Belair is watching paint dry. I've never watched her with any enjoyment. It is like a Sunday morning cartoon from 1987. I have no interest in anything she does in the ring whatsoever and she is absolutely to me not a superstar and an AEW wow i think she i think she'd be seventh on the list in the roster my goodness i really don't like it when she's on my tv i find her boring mm. and cloying and pedantic and if they want to turn her bad maybe i'll mm. go nwo and turn on her but i think she's completely boring and overrated my goodness. Uh, I, I, I would say this. At best, I would have had Rhea go over her for the title, right? I would have used her as someone to elevate Rhea Ripley. And I think as you move forward from that point, like Ari alluded to Charlotte, I would put Becky Lynch in that category. I think you could rehabilitate Bailey. Um, but I think at some point, Bianca Belair was going to fall out of that top rotation of women in WWE. I wouldn't go as far as you, but I'm probably somewhere in between where she is now and where you're putting her. I, I don't think she's uh, meant to stay there. Dan, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to maybe disagree. No, I, don't, I mean, I, yeah, I disagree with, uh, uh, in the, with Ari only because I, I, I do like Bianca Belair in, in the ring. And uh, I think she's getting, I, I, I didn't think that she, she has grown as much in the past year. Has she held this bell for almost a year now? I think so. so see, that's, that's the funny part of what, see, that's how little, intrigue there is to her well you're not wrong there but like the the growth of the character has been there really hasn't been any in the past year but but again i i i do like her and i do think that she she can be eventually be considered amongst the ones like uh, charlotte and Becky and Bailey and Sasha, if Sasha comes back eventually, but she's not there yet. So, so here's a question. Here's a question, Bilal, and I think you'll appreciate this because you know our, our interests are, are vast. Who do you think people would more like to watch at WrestleMania come down the aisle? Bianca Belair or Jade Cargill? Same build, same build, yep. same come from nowhere, same hard work to get somewhere. Say, I mean, you know, Bianca's married, Jade is a single mother, mm. but you tell me who has more electricity mm. to their presentation in that profile, in that portfolio. I would watch Jade Cargill read yeah. a phone book mm. on Dynamite more than I have any interest in watching Bianca Belair wave that stupid, stupid braid. Even, yeah, that braid, which I wish they would do a Terry Funk hair versus. Yeah. Eventually they will. It's just so stupid. I feel it's a Sunday morning cartoon. I would watch, and I use Jade Cargo. I'd watch Willow Nightingale yeah. before I would watch. Bianca Belair has been forced down our throats. She's a nice lady, very accomplished, I'm sure, but doesn't entertain me. And, and to your point, what I was thinking, 
is you mentioned a heel turn. I think what's going to happen is Raquel Gonzalez or Rodriguez, whatever the hell her last name is now. That says something. Yeah, she's going to get that <laughs> heel turn. She's going to become the powerhouse heel. And then Bianca's going to get lost in the shuffle. And, I and think they're both born. And they're yeah, both born. But I think Raquel's going to get there first because she's already failed. And that's going to become the monstrous woman in that division. And then, you know, the, sort of what didn't work with Piper Niven may work with Raquel and they're not going to get. There. I think she's a more interesting character than who we're talking about, Piper Niven or whatever her name is this yep. week. You could do more with her Definitely. than you could, I think, with the other three. Yep. And she's proven. It and Chelsea game. Green. There's a few I of them think, anyways. Yeah. yeah, But she's she's also funny to watch. So and that to me is, do you want yes. to watch or do you turn the channel? That's all that matters. You're right. You're right. All right. Uh, we'll go to the WWE, WWE's Intercontinental Championship. It's Gunter, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus. Um, it's, this is funny because I spoke to Drew McIntyre a couple months ago because of a relationship I have with Special Olympics, I think in February. And I was very careful with Drew because he sort of ruined his face turn for me, Ari, when we sat down with him at SummerSlam all those years ago. I remember. I expressly told him, don't tell me anything about what you're doing at WrestleMania. But I do think he's been dropping hints of a heel turn. And I think that's going to manifest in this match. I really don't know who's going to win this. You could make uh, an argument for McIntyre. You can make an argument for Sheamus, who's never had this title. You could just as easily keep it on Gunter. Uh, Dan, who do you think is going to win? And is McIntyre going to turn heel in this match? Probably after the match. So I will say probably Sheamus pinning Drew Therefore, Drew turning heel, and then Gunther, maybe one of the first challenges for Cody as a champion if if Cody goes through with it. So that's what I'm thinking. I know Ari, you've got Roman holding his title, so maybe you see this going a bit differently as a result. No, I want Roman holding his title. I worry that they're going to take it off of him for all the wrong reasons. I want. (laughs) No, I'm in charge of absolutely nothing. Uh, I think Drew has been wasted since Clash at the Castle. I actually don't think they know what to do with him. I think the program with Sheamus and this buddy-buddy thing devalues him. He was a main eventer. I mean, he did main event to WrestleMania with three people watching. I don't mean watching, but in the audience, you know, COVID. But I think it's been a real step down for him. They don't know what to do with him. And if you're going to make him a heel, because he doesn't kind of, he doesn't play a totally good guy. He plays sort of a a swarthy pirate-like you know, he's the only guy who doesn't shave his chest in the WWE, if I could put it to you that way. You know, make him a real heel. Don't make it like he just turns on Sheamus, so now he's a heel. Like, there used to be dastardly things done. Make him a dastardly heel, especially in front of an audience like that, or it'll go over. Not that well. And I think Gunther continues to be interesting. I don't know. To, I don't totally know why, because he's the kind of guy that, you know, I don't think I would usually find that interesting, but he doesn't disappoint. There's something, and this is a word that's important to me and everything. There's something authentic about him. Yeah. I just like how I feel about Cody. I feel the same way about Gunther. He's one of my favorites in the whole industry because he's real. Like yeah. I believe him a hundred percent. And I think he's come a long way from that guy who said he was never going to come to the U S and then came to the U S and lost a crap ton of weight and was this, big man who could just move with the greatest of ease to steal he's fantastic this whole presentation is um, fantastic like I, I would say the greatest improvement in someone's shape i've seen while they've been in the wwe product which just unbelievable uh the other thing i was going to say in thinking about this match is that it is funny if you were to go back to clash of the castle mcintyre is facing roman and sheamus is just facing gunter and mcintyre is basically just dropped down to this level now because they've done that but I think if you were to ask people, a lot of people would take that Seamus Gunter match at Clash of the Castle, especially our friends in the UK. They would say it's one of the greatest matches of the year. It's and what this, turned me on him. It's what turned me in his favor. And, and this will be so physical. And certainly Seamus will, or sorry, Seamus, Drew will be in addition to that, that I think this will be great. And we're probably going to forget it's about the Intercontinental title. It's just going to be three big boys, as I like to say, Dan, smacking the meat out of each other. And it's going to have a different feel to almost every other match on this card. Uh, and it is a testament to these three guys and their, their different style of wrestling, which we don't always get. All right. Uh, speaking of big boys, smash and meet, and I didn't mean to set it up this way. Oh, I, 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 let, the, I let that alone. I, I wasn't going <laughs> to let that alone. I, I say it tongue in cheek, and I hope yeah. people understand that. Uh, Brock Lesnar is going to take on almost uh, kind of the behind the scenes of this is that Brock was asked to take on Bray Wyatt. <laughs> He didn't want to do that. Uh, Bray's hurt anyway, so it doesn't really matter at this is point. Is he? 
uh, that's the reporting yeah. is to the best of what I've read online by, you know, a handful of journalists who cover this quote unquote professionally. Um, this should be interesting, Dan. I'm a little afraid because they haven't really showcased to me that these two guys are going to be able to do a whole lot physically, but maybe it'll have a little bit of Hogan, Hogan and Andre kind of. Why? Because it'll be slow and awkward. Uh, well, I, you know, look, I, I'm surprised how much I am actually looking forward to this. And at the same time, I am legitimately concerned about Omos that Lesnar is going to hopefully inadvertently, but likely hurt him. He's probably going to get hurt on one of these German suplexes or the F5. And I am actually concerned that Omos will legitimately get hurt. I guess, Ari, my hope is almost that this match will be short and sweet. Because again, I'm I am kind of afraid as to what could happen uh, with almost in there with somebody like Brock who could also hurt you quite badly. Yeah. So my my question about this match is, what's the point of it? How does it advance either of their careers? Almost isn't going to beat Lesnar clear, and if he does, it's one of the biggest disgraces in history. And Brock Lesnar can't beat this young man clean because if he does, it does nothing for this investment that they've put into Omas. And remember, the person who's Omas's biggest fan is, as you know, The Undertaker. So are is they... Gonna, oh, I didn't know Oh, that. yes, yes. Yeah. So are they going to have The Undertaker watch this guy be pinned in the middle of the ring in front of 50,000 people? And there's no story here that interests me. And again, I don't... You know, we can talk about the, the, the smash mouth. You know, Bilal, you had a different phrase for it, but the smash <laughs> physicality of Seamus. And the, I watch for storylines. I watch because it's a male soap opera. And none of this makes sense to me. And I would much rather have watched Lesnar have to deal with the Bray Wyatt of old, the fiend, the this, than this guy who looks like he needs Ridlin. Uh, so I don't understand the point of this match at all. And that being said, every time I've taken a colossal you-know-what on a certain pay-per-view or match at WrestleMania, it ends up completely exceeding expectations. And who's the one person, since he came back in 2011 and made John Cena look like a jobber, who's the one person when he goes to the ring has not once, not ever, not once in the highest profile spots of a business that's existed for 100 plus years who has never once not delivered, not once. And that answer is Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because the three of us could sit here and say, well, you've got MVP, you've got Cedric Alexander, you have Shelton Benjamin who came up with Brock Lesnar. And if we wanted to, we could have crafted a very interesting story. I mean, not very interesting, but a significantly more interesting story where maybe Shelton Benjamin went over to Brock's camp and they do some tags and stuff. But I think ultimately it does say something that almost has not really worked a match that I can remember leading up to WrestleMania. And this is just an attempt to, I wouldn't even call it a spot fest, Dan, because I think that would be generous, but to spot your way to a WrestleMania moment and hope that people don't really realize that almost isn't really a guy who's out there on raw wrestling, wrestling every week. Um, he's sort of uh, a special attraction to borrow a phrase from earlier. And you're trying to, get some moments out of him so that maybe you can get some moments out of him every once in a while. This is a very special attraction because I think this might be the end of this attraction. Cause where do you go? He's already lost to Lashley. He's lost to somebody else. Uh, I don't, you know, this match isn't going to go long and you know, Lesnar's going to win. I mean, unless they come up with something extremely creative. So this is it. I mean, the, the allure and Omos is look, he, he, he could improve, but he ain't getting any better. He's been on the main roster for almost two years. He hasn't improved. Um, so th I think this might be the end of the line for him. Speaking of the end of the line, uh, it might be that for Edge, a great Canadian. He's talked about retiring at the end of this year, but maybe it'll be sooner. Uh, he's going to take on Finn Balor in a hell in the cell match at WrestleMania. I don't know the last time that's happened. I really think, Ari, that Balor is going to come away here with the win. I think this is a guy who Triple H has liked all the way back to his NXT days, a guy who re rehabilitated himself on NXT not too long ago. And I, I think Triple H will eventually put this guy back in a world title picture. I don't think he got a good shake when he won the universal title for the very first time of any superstar. He got injured. McMahon kind of moved away from him. 
But as this company moves more and more global, where more and more pay-per-views are happening in the UK, are happening in other parts of the world, I think this is a launching pad low-key for Finn Balor. I think he's going to beat Edge, and I think we're going to be talking about him in a main event for a world title in the next six months. Well, I think Finn Balor would like to take your words (laughs) and imprint them on Triple H's desk because... They've been trying and trying and back and forth and this way and that way and the other way. And since he had that one universal title the first time it existed or he hurt himself, you just don't know what to do with him. And I still think one of the colossal screw-ups that's never made sense was Judgment Day. I think Judgment Day has done more for Dominic and Rhea Ripley, specifically Dominic, by the way, who is now so annoying as to be entertaining which is really the key to all of this. Finn Balor, I think, has been a little bit lost. And, you know, I think you're right that Edge should not win here unless he's staying and continuing. But you just got to do something a bit more interesting with Finn Balor. And one of the things is, I think, and I I 100% believe this, he's very weak on the microphone. And, you know, going back to your previous match, Omos, the guy can't talk. I don't mean can't talk to you and me. He's probably a very smart guy. I think he's actually a medical student. I can't remember. But you put a mic in front of him and channels get changed. Finn Balder has to have an interesting development to his character. And it can't just be every six months he turns into the fiend. We've seen that. and We've been there. Okay. I Not the say fiend. This. What do you call it? The, the uh, demon. demon. Same idea, though. Same idea. Same idea. Uh, before I go to Dan, I just want to say two words, Damian Priest, because otherwise they're not going to get said throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> shout out. Um, I, I disagree with you, Ari. I think the fiend, the, not the fiend, I said the fiend, the demon aspect here, it does give me some hope because that character was, I think, undefeated in mainstream WWE. And maybe this is the way to present Balor as something more than what he is uh, as the Judgment Day grows. I don't know if you. Just a quick point to that, by the way. I'm more interested in Damian Priest. Mm. Because I think he has a bit of a swagger and a chutzpah when he talks. Yep. Then Finn Balor, who looks like he was handed a script in the back and comes out and tweaks it a bit. I think if they let Damian Priest be a little bit Damian Priesty and just go, that voice. You know how they, I can't remember if somebody said to The Undertaker once, take the bass out of your voice. That guy's got a voice that's made to cause trouble. And I think he's an under looked talent that could get elevated yeah well we're gonna see him elevated uh in about a month when they go to puerto rico yeah so they're, they got they have nothing for him right now but uh it, is it backlash or whatever it is yeah, in puerto rico yep. that's gonna be damian priest's uh wrestlemania and so hopefully they have something cool for him but he needs to be and he has to be a, a focus point and otherwise uh going back to this hell in a cell match um there's a lot of bells and whistles on this hell in a cell, the demon, so on and so forth. But I, I and they even, they even have a history. Uh, they, they even have a reason, but I I'm still not that interested to oh, be honest. Okay. Well, there is something that judgment day is doing beyond Rhea Ripley. Everybody's interested in it. It's Dominic Mysterio yes. versus Ray Mysterio. You know, it doesn't even really matter to me, Ari, who wins this match. I've enjoyed the buildup to this so much. Uh, yeah. People were memeing the thing on SmackDown last week where, uh, Dominic's quote-unquote mom, Rey Mysterio's wife, was there. And and also Aaliyah is sort of there. Uh, she's sort of been in some things. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And I don't even really care who wins. I don't care if they do some baloney DQ finish or interference finish with Priest and they stretch this out a few more months. Uh, and I think Mysterio Rey has said that he now wants to wrestle into the age of 50. So if Dominic Mysterio in his uh, admiration or as, in his discovery of heel Dominic has given us two more years of Rey Mysterio, who seemed like was going to retire uh, at this point. This has all been gravy. Well, I kind of feel for Vicky Guerrero, who I'm sure you saw the other day, that she wishes she can be involved in this story. She did. It's it's so entertaining. And this goes back to my point about him. You know, not six months ago, but a year ago, you couldn't wait to get him off your TV. It was X-Pac heat, which to anybody who doesn't know what I mean is, It's not real heat. It's I don't want to watch you. I wouldn't pay to watch you get out of here, which people confuse with X-Pac's career because he was united with very successful people. He was unwatchable and you didn't want to watch him. Dominic had that. Now 
He's extraordinarily entertaining because I think you're seeing a side of him that comes probably a little bit more naturally. I think there's something, and I don't like this word because I'm not at Whole Foods, but a little bit more organic to what he's doing. And you can tell that he's enjoying what he's doing. And I think that translates. I don't really factor Ray too much into it. He's the foil for this Dominic Mysterio who did hard time in, you know, the Four Seasons Hotel in Malibu. So I like that. I think it's interesting and I don't think they've played with it too much. Let it be, let it breathe. And so that's the reason I think that will be entertaining. It doesn't have too much to do with Ray Mysterio to me at this point. Yep. Dan? Other than the people that are involved in the bloodline, Dominic Mysterio has been my favorite character to watch on WWE television. He's it, it, a lot of people that I've never heard anybody. I mean, maybe this is me. I feel that this kid looks like a young Pedro Pascal and nobody points this out because, because <laughs> uh, that actor is so popular right now. But I think he Dominic looks like a really younger version of him. Uh, he's great. And he's got, a, I wish that Ray was going into the hall of fame next year, just because it feels weird that, you, you know, like Dominic really should be there for his dad when once that's all said and done. So I don't know why they're doing that this year, right in the middle of right before they're having an, a big grudge match. But uh, yeah, Especially so if they break the rule and, and they break the rule and Dominic is actually there with his family, you know, pretending that you, I think I, they're going to do an angle. Yeah, like at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying to you, like, I could actually see, like, you know, when you know what I mean, where kayfabe or whatever it is, you don't break that. But you know, (laughs) I think Dan's point is very, very smart to the Hall of Fame. I hadn't thought of it, but it's very smart. Yeah, no, and that's something they've changed. How many people are going in, and maybe they needed Ray in this class. It's it's hard to say because I I don't know if I would have Stacy Keebler or Tim White headlining my Hall of Fame class, and the answer would be a hundred years. But anyway, I actually don't even know who's headlining it. I haven't paid it. Who is Ray? I, I think it's Ray. And then and after, that's not a headline attraction. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, no, I think, I think they wanted 19,000 people in LA. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Ari. I think Dave Batista or someone of that ilk would have been the move. And I, for what well, I, you're right about in LA, Daniel. That's that. I mean, that we all know but, why you said that, but you know, you if also it, know that Ohio, no. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not just because of the high population of Latinos, but I, I just mean because it's going to be. Uh, I think they're going to sell. I think, I think that SmackDown is already sold out. So the Hall of Fame is, is technically sold out because of that. But that's different. Right. But that it's, it's the SmackDown audience that are watching that. When, when Rey Mysterio gets the mic, are either of you guys riveted to the TV? No, we know what he's going to say, how he's going to say it. And it's never changed. I didn't even know he's the headliner. because I have heard of Conan introducing him. What? I'm looking forward to Conan. Well, that'll be a little bit off. The, you'll have to have the bleep and uh, right. seven second delay there. But I, I did not know that because I haven't paid as much attention. But I also think they're over baking this Hall of Fame when you're struggling to get people in there that, you know, people paid to see on the A card. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And you've got a two day WrestleMania. We might not even be talking about a Hall of Fame functioning this way after a SmackDown in the future. It'll be interesting to see what they do about that. All right, let's, let's chat a bit about Becky Lynch, Ari's favorite. No, I'm kidding. Lita and uh, Trish Stratus. Uh, Of course, Lita and Becky Lynch became the women's tag team champions just a little while ago. They're going to take on what's left of damage control, which is in damage control. It's Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Uh, Dan, I I don't think it makes a lot of sense to bring two legends back, put a title on one of them, and then have them lose at WrestleMania. I think that's compounded by the fact that, you know, this damage control thing was one of the first big things Triple H did. And he's done a lot of good stuff, but this is kind of just slid by the wayside down near carrying cross and Scarlet. And I don't think people really care. So I think damage control has to lose and they've got to kind of hit the reset button on Bailey, Dakota, Ty and EO sky. Cause they're three great wrestlers who deserve something better than this. I don't even know what it is. All everybody involved has, should have something more. I mean, I, I, I to be, again, I, I just, even though I like them all individually, I don't really care about this match. Hmm. The rumors are that Trish, for some reason, is going to turn heel after this. Oh. This part timer, but so but they're keeping her around. Um, so the, I believe that's the finish that they're going to. She, uh, she's going to cost their team the match because she's been overlooked in this whole build. That's what that's what is being speculated, and I and I really don't care for that either. Uh, I 
I don't know. It, it's not, uh, there's one match we'll get to it that I'm, I care least about. It's that woman's tag match, but this is right down there. To your point, Dan, if it was up to me, I would have taken those tag team titles and, and maybe Io Sky and Dakota Kai. I would have made them part of the Fatal 4-Way because a bunch of those teams are slapped together. And I would have just done Bailey versus Treshari. I think maybe you could have let the two of them build a proper WrestleMania program instead of what we have. I would have, I would have liked that a lot more. Yeah. So... This ties into my point about Becky. I won't spend too much time about it. Unless she's a bad guy wearing those crazy glasses and being a bad guy, it doesn't work for me. Here's my point about why this match is the match you and I are talking about last. Becky was supposed to be the headliner of WrestleMania for now in time immemorial. She was given the biggest spot ever. She's now in a match at WrestleMania that nobody cares about. It's a bit of a nostalgic act. It's the Piper Steamboat I can't remember Piper Steamboat. I think Chris Jericho, who's not nostalgic, but I mean, it yeah, was the same. Sure. Yeah. 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 So it's that match. Now, here's my point about it. If you look at the prices of the tickets for WrestleMania, this is a WrestleMania that people are paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, not for the card, but for the name WrestleMania. Now, why do I make this point? I watched the AW, AEW pay per view March 6th, about a month ago. From top to bottom, every match meant something. Every match had gravitas. In fact, they had so much gravitas that they didn't need video packages before four of eight of the matches. It was the most packed together wrestling show I've ever seen. Now, some of it was too brutal and barbaric, and I'd way rather watch WWE. But my problem with WrestleMania different this year versus other pay-per-views where I've said to you guys on air, I don't think this is a great card. And every time that happens, it overwhelms and over-delivers. But there seems to be a slapdash nature to this that I don't understand with the infrastructure they have, that you have so many matches, not one or two or three, but almost every match seems put together like it's a connect four board game and that's the problem that i have with this year and if i was paying a lot of money and there isn't something that makes everybody go this is a moment that we will remember from wrestlemania 3 steamboat savage hulk coming down or andre in the cart there is really a cavalier approach i think to this year's card i'm hoping i'm completely wrong and it's the greatest thing that it ever is because it's usually fantastic but this feels very slapdash to me. And that's my answer about these six women being in a ring together. Very slapdash. Well, unfortunately, there's two matches I technically haven't mentioned. We've alluded to them at different points, but I'll throw them out and we'll get out of here and I'll just do it all together because it's the two fatal four-way tag team matches. Liv Morgan slapped together with Raquel. It's Rodriguez. Uh, Natalia's now friends with Shotzi Blackheart because why not? Uh, but luckily, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler will destroy the two of them. And presumably Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, who's subbing in for Carmella. On the men's side, we're going to see Braun and Ricochet, who are a newly formed team, facing the Street Profits, who I thought were already kind of done. Alpha Academy, which are about to be kind of done as Otis joins the uh, MMM Maximum Male Models. And the Viking Raiders, who yeah, they could win too. But I guess my point here, Dan, is on the men's side, there's only really two teams in it who aren't about to explode. On the women's side... There's only really one team I want to win and then one team I want to see do funny things while the other team wins. There's not really a lot to be had here. And to, to, to sum up what you're just saying is I couldn't care less about either of these two matches. I, for, I even forgot that the, the, this male uh, match was on the show. I, for, I thought maybe it would be on SmackDown. I am more interested in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal that's going to be on SmackDown than both of these matches. There's no point to them. There's no interest. And it's it, it's obvious. Look, I, I appreciate that Triple H is, is putting an effort to get all, all of these human beings on the show. That probably means a lot to them. But I have no interest in this, in either Ari, of them. Ari, what would you have done instead of these two matches if we gave you the pencil right now? Ronda versus Shayna. Yeah. Mm. Braun, Stro Braun Strowman versus somebody that matters. Bobby Lashley, perhaps. Whatever, something that matters where there's an actual personal issue between these yeah. people. Here's the part that I miss. And again, this is not an AEW podcast. 
But I have to tell you, when I watch those matches and those pay-per-views, I sometimes wonder to myself, do these guys actually get along in the back? Because there seems to be a personal issue here. Do I think that John Moxley and Adam Page went for sushi after they tore each other apart? Like, I hope they do. And I hope they did. But I genuinely believe there's a personal issue. This, to me, feels comic, slapdash. And again, this isn't the sort of thing that's going to overperform. You know what you're going to get here, okay? The cards that I've said, oh, I don't love this card, the match overperforms because the person, what Braun Strowman, Ricochet, these ladies, like, what are you going to do other than what you do? And I think that's a a massive waste Mm -hmm. of very serious talent, including Braun Strowman, who was gone for a long time and probably was enticed to come back. Remember, he was very adamant about never coming back and doing his own thing. And I forget what it's called, an EC3, whatever it is. And he's narrative. Yeah, that's right, right. Right. Exactly. And he's now back doing this. And this is a guy that arguably, arguably, if presented correctly, could have been at the top of the card. And curtain jerker isn't the right word, because if you listen to Chris Jericho, if he wasn't at the top of the card, he wanted to be the curtain jerker because it would be the best night, best match of the night. And everybody would have to live up to it. This to me, unless it's Ronda versus Shayna, I don't know what they're doing. The only saving grace is Shayna Baszler might break six consecutive arms, but I don't know if they'll go that direction. <laughs> There's a lot of matches and it's been a long podcast. I apologize. I thought we could do it in 30 minutes, but I failed miserably. Um, but always good to chat with you, Ari, Dan. Um, the debate we have around this stuff drastically enhances my ability to actually watch these pay-per-views because then I go into it and I, you know, I look at some like Cody and I'm like, well, I thought Cody was going to win. Oh, but Ari was saying that Roman might hold on to it. And it just adds an extra layer of enjoyment to me for these cards and keeps me guessing, which is the beauty of wrestling. Ari has no clue, but he really, really wishes that on Monday or the Monday after WrestleMania, that that Roman Reign cord comes out and goes and has some clever play on the word, my story or finish the story. And, gives that slow moving look to the camera, which just gets eaten up alive by an audience hungry to be entertained. You might get that. Thank you. I don't think I will, but I hope I do. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit neversleepsnetwork.com. 